1: Is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: It is never easy in the NFL season, especially in the middle of it, to figure out if teams that have respectable records are actually any good. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented. By progressive insurance 888-SAY-ESPN is your Dr. Pepper call in line 888-729-3776 Joseph this is a little game that we are going to call quite simply are you good because there, there are teams that we truly don't know right now if they're good because how many times have we seen it over the years a team right around this season, sometime, right around this time of the year sometimes even later They find their way into a hot streak. And then the next thing you know, they're playing in the AFC championship game. And it's a team that you never would have expected to be there in the first place because you probably looked at it in week eight or week nine and said, "Eh, I don't know if you're any good. So, Joe, what say we play this game called Are You Good? I like it. Let's do it. All right. Can I get a little music? A little something behind it? Something romantic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice. Something you know? to really establish the mood here.
2: Mm. Handman very carefully going through his selection right now. Probably going to get some David Geta here.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Nothing says romance like Chris Berman and Tom Jackson. Yeah. <sighs> Joe I put it
2: to the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting at 4 and 2 and as you pointed to just a little while ago a team that is negative in point differential yet still somehow two games over 500 I put the question to the Pittsburgh Steelers
0: are you good Joe are they good Pittsburgh Steelers are not good. And I hate to say that. I really like Mike Tomlin. I like the city. I like what they've done with the team. Just they're they're a model of consistency, but I'm not buying into them. They're 31st in the NFL in total offense. 31st. Like, come on. I, I read a stat somewhere that they have been outgained in every single game they've played this season. And yet somehow they're four and two. Like that's a byproduct of Cleveland giving a game away against them and Baltimore giving a a game away against them. If those two don't happen, they're two and four and their point differential and everything else makes more sense. Remember, the true indicator of a team isn't the record. It's the point differential. That'll tell you what they're about. Minnesota won 13 games last year. They had a negative point differential. You shouldn't have been surprised when they got waxed out of the playoffs.
2: Joe, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not good. They're not good. I continue to believe that Mike Tomlin either has struck some sort of a sweet deal with Beelzebub himself, or he is in fact a sorcerer of sorts. Is Mike Tomlin Harry Potter? I don't know. Because every year, they end up with a winning record with a team that absolutely has no business having a winning record, and here they are at 4-2, considering what they are. They still have quarterback questions, Joe. They don't know that Kenny Pickett is definitively the guy. And their offensive line, the improvements that were supposed to be there, just haven't been there. And Najee Harris is just average. Can we all finally admit this? He has been a guy that through his career is under four yards a carry. And at some point, even though he's getting over 1,000 yards, he's doing it on 700 carries. I mean, you just have to be able to admit that he's just a guy as a running back. And so they're better served by playing Jalen Warren more. They still haven't done that nearly enough. And frankly, for the stars that they have on defense, they should be better. The Steelers are not good. Joe, the Seattle Seahawks are four and two. Their quarterback is Geno Smith. We just talked about them hosting the Browns this week. Hey, Seattle
0: Seahawks. Are you good? Joe? I think so. I I think so. I'm going to err on the side of yes. They did beat the Lions on the road, but the other three wins are against the Panthers, the Giants, and the Cardinals. They hung tight. They should have beaten the Bengals, but they blew it. And then they got rocked in game one at home against the Rams. The thing with Seattle is that they could find a way to put it all together each week. They would be a very, very difficult out. But either the defense is getting chewed up up and down the field like we saw in that Rams game or the offense is going down to the red zone and turning it over. The last two weeks, Geno Smith has been very messy. The defense bailed him out last week. The defense tried to bail him out two weeks ago, but Geno gave that game away. I still think they're good until further notice. A lot of the metrics line up, but the chance of them being great is never going to happen. If they don't get more consistent performances on both sides of the ball, they can't just rotate who's going to play well and who's going to play awful. So yes, they're good, but they're definitely not great.
2: I agree. They're good. They're, they're, they're a team that might be knocking on the door for the playoffs in the NFC. In fact, I would expect them to be, you know, a seven seed ultimately. Uh, Having said that I'm disappointed in a couple of things. I'm disappointed In DK Metcalf so far this year, banged up, yes. But the numbers haven't been off the charts. And you're DK Metcalf. You're supposed to be better than that. Remember we were talking about him as an elite-level receiver? Have we seen that in a while? Doesn't feel like it. You know who else I'm disappointed in? Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker's only averaging 4.1 a carry this season. He's barely in the top ten rushing in the league. They should be better. They are good
0: but they are nowhere near knocking on the door of great yet. He does too much dancing. He hits the hole and you always see an opportunity for him to just burst ahead and get two more yards. And instead he goes lateral and then he gets hit and he goes down. Like he's not Darren Sproles. I don't understand why there's so much dancing. Like just hit that hole. Your yards per carry would be so much better if he wasn't always trying to outdance the linebackers.
2: Another team from the NFC West. That is the Los Angeles Rams who have a big one against the Cowboys in Dallas this weekend. Rams are 3 and 4. Uh, to your point earlier of the plus minus differential, they are at a plus 14 on the year at 3 and 4. Hey LA Rams.
0: Are you good, Joe? Yeah, they're good. They're definitely better than we expected them to be, which wasn't much. I would say they're 3 and 4, but They're top half of the league in both scoring offense and scoring defense. And on top of that, of those four losses, they're all competitive. They played the Niners really tight. I know they lost by like nine to the Eagles, but they played the Eagles really tight. They let one get away from them last week against Pittsburgh. That's on them. A good team, a really good team would have closed out the Steelers. They found a way to give it away. That'll happen. But I think they're a good team. They're going to be right around 500 this year. There's enough there to be competitive and to win some bigger games. The Rams are good. Yeah, the
2: Rams' defense is much better than I expected it to be. I think the Rams overall are much better than we expect them to be, as you said uh, a moment ago. I am concerned about a couple of things. Matthew Stafford's been all right. He's throwing it okay. He's got seven touchdowns, six picks so far. And I also would look at the fact that Kyron Williams was running the ball very well for them, and then he gets hurt. I don't know that he has the body to hold up. Uh, for a season I love their receivers and I think Tyler Higby's a very underrated tight end Rams are good Rams though will not be great this year at any point they will in my estimation be on the doorstep but on the outside looking in in the playoffs we move east to the New York Jets miraculously after losing Aaron Rodgers in week one are three and three Nothing short of a miracle to be 3-3 three
0: and three right now, Joe. Hey, New York Jets, are you good? This is the hardest one on this list. The hardest one. Because there have been some losses the Jets have had where I've been more impressed with them than some of their wins. Right? Like, when they lost that game to the Chiefs, I was quite impressed. When they beat the Broncos, I wasn't really impressed. Right? When they lost to the Cowboys, I wasn't impressed. Um... I I side a little bit towards no. I know this is going to get people really fired up. They beat the Eagles. I think the Eagles gave that game away at the end. That was just a, just an abysmal coaching job and an execution job on behalf of everybody. They probably deserve more respect. They're 3-3. and They got a soft part of the schedule coming up, so they'll probably win some games and make me look stupid for saying this. But I don't know, man. I just can't get behind Zach Wilson as the quarterback of a team and then say, yeah, they're good. They're good. Like, everything we've said about Zach Wilson and then we're going to turn around and say his team's good, you can't do that. If you're going to say they're good, you got to believe in Zach Wilson. I don't believe in Zach Wilson.
2: Here's the knock on Zach Wilson to me. You have a receiver in Garrett Wilson – Who, through six weeks, again, they've only played six games, has 55 catches. Joe, you know how many yards he has with 55 catches? 55? (laughs) 369. Not nearly enough. Wow. But Garrett Wilson's an explosive player. And you have to to be able to capitalize on that more. And that's on the quarterback. But here's why I say the Jets are good. And they're going to look better in a few weeks, considering who they're playing. Yep. If he can just be manageable. This is all we've been saying all year. And Zach Wilson has inched towards managing the offense. Brees Hall leads the league in yards per carry at 6.1. Oh, he, He's been phenomenal. He has. He's been absolutely great. Meanwhile, Dalvin Cook has been oof. Anyway, point being, you have Brees Hall. You have Garrett Wilson. You're good. Your defense is pretty good, but not nearly as dominant as people thought it would be.
0: Got to throw the Chargers in there real quick. I saw them on the list. Uh, Are they good? No. No. Analysis complete.
2: Carlin versus (laughs) Joe, ESPN (laughs) Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN. The Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-729-3776. Joseph, in just moments, one NFL team is good. And they're about to get a whole lot better.
1: Jeez. Carlin vs. Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Harlan versus Joe on ESPN Radio.
2: Your boy has got a future in cooking chicken parm because what I did last night Ooh. in that kitchen was something special. I tell you, I even surprised myself sometimes. My wife's closest friend in the world was in town spending time with us, and the big fella lit up that kitchen like an early Christmas tree. Okay. okay. And what, what came out of it was nothing short of spectacular. On like the show in the morning rated it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10 is not bad? 7 out of 10 is not what this deserves. I would say that anything south of an 8.5 is absolutely an insult and in that case I would just have to argue that maybe the presentation was not what it needed to be in presenting this on social media but thinking about putting out an all points bulletin on Bouchergross, still no response as of the moment, he's dead to me Not word one we have heard Not word one from Buchagross for two days Calling a game last night NHL. I mean, no, nowhere to be found, Joe. How am I supposed to feel here?
0: I think you should feel pretty solid because you know what? I went on Undisputed this morning. They did not give you a 7 out of 10. Pat gave you a 7 out of 10. He was running the Twitter account that day. They said that that chicken parm looked fantastic. Canty backed you up. Evan and Smallman backed you up. They they thought it was closer to a 9. Undisputed? So you should feel good. Undisputed? What did Skip think? <laughs> What did I say? I said undisputed? Yes. Oh, come on. I am try- I was so focused on giving you the compliment, and then I called them unlistenable yesterday, so I've, twi- I've, I've twisted myself up. And, and you're oh, giving God. me a compliment, and I just bury you. That's the last time that's going to happen, pal. <laughs> Bob, you know what,
2: Bob? Last time Bub. that's going to happen. <laughs> Bob is so underrated. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Oh, man. Uh, Traeger is awesome. Let me tell you why. Because Traeger sponsors Jeff Darlington here this Saturday. Enjoy the one-of-a-kind wood-fired flavor on a Traeger Ironwood XL from the Home Depot. Mr. Darlington has the Dolphins and the Patriots this weekend, which means he is staying home in South Florida. Uh, Jeffrey, we will start with yet another one of my conundrums involving etiquette and involving travel. And I I, I don't like to lean on this, Jeff, but I really feel like you can be an invaluable source here. Yeah. Last night, I'm on a plane. I am coming right. to Dallas for games one and two of the World Series. I am in oh. the uh, yeah, pretty excited. I am in the window seat, and I am sitting oh. next to former ESPN anchor, currently of MLB Network, Brian Kenny.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Brian falls asleep, and he's yeah. sleeping pretty good. This is a three-hour flight, and I'm good. You know, listen, I I usually prefer the aisle seat, but I'm good with the window. And at one point, it's clear that I have to get up and go to the the men's room. Yeah. How long is acceptable to wait before waking someone up to go to the men's room on the plane when they are in the way?
3: Well, it's not a matter of how long. It's a matter of, like, I usually start with, like, a light nudge, like an incidental contact to see if the person is, in fact, uh, full snooze mode. Yeah. Uh, I get a little bit more aggressive with my nudge to a- a- attempt uh, attempt a subtle wake up, you know, not to trigger him to know that it was me. Yeah. If it's still not working, I mean how, you know, there's a myriad of factors. how long until we land, how bad do I have to go. Uh, well, that, that, I that's why I asked the question.
2: That's why I asked the question, yeah. because there's the time that it becomes apparent that it's going to have to happen, and then there's yeah. how long before I'm willing to wake somebody up. And Brian was perfectly lovely on the entire flight while he was awake, and so yeah. I felt bad about the moment. Like, yeah, what do I not, do here?
3: It's not, it's not great. What I'm glad you didn't do, and this is not to try to deflect, but what I'm glad you did, didn't do was attempt to climb over him, Oh. Uh, without waking him, because that is that does cross my mind time to time in it an does. intro especially. And I am uh, a little I would more be, nimble than you are though, Candy. Uh, you,
2: well, you'd be surprised. I'm cat-like, but at the same time, I w- thought about it for a moment, Joe, and it was just like I can slide through there, and then and then there, then that that voice in my head. Probably, Joe, just said, uh, no, you can't, Fatty. No, you're (laughs) not sliding
0: through that. The primary reason why you can't do that is because there is about a half-second moment where you have stepped over with your first leg, and you're essentially straddling this individual, and if they wake up in that half-second and see that, it is game over for you. That is an FAA violation at the highest level, and you are finished. Now, that Darlington is done with his free therapy session for you, To business we go. Darlington, Schefter reports that the Dolphins are planning to play Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey ends up tweeting that that's news to him. So what's the status of the Miami corner? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going
3: up against Schefter on this, but you (laughs) know, that's a company policy right there. You think I want to wade in those waters? No, sorry. Look, (laughs) if Adam says something, I believe it. You know what I mean? I don't Let's uh, we'll wait it out. I, I think uh, maybe it is news to Ramsey. But uh, look, the fact that what I will say is I would have thought if I was guessing literally before Schefter had reported that, I would have guessed based on timing that maybe they would wait until after Germany, not fly him over. The fact that this is a possibility right now is a really good sign for Ramsey and the Dolphins. Uh, we'll, we'll probably find out more, I'd say, tomorrow. Maybe even today, honestly, depending on how much Ramsey gets in practice. But, I mean, this is a lot closer to a reality than I was expecting. Uh, I am not one to, uh, to go up against Sheffield, though. If, if he says so, I'm into it.
2: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. Okay, so that aside, how much better is Jalen Ramsey at this point in his career going to make the Dolphins' defense?
3: pretty big difference especially once Xavier Howard is also on the field again and the combination of those two guys really allows the Dolphins secondary the guys that they have had to lean on to kind of go back to roles that they're more comfortable in whether it's the nickel spot whether it's the dime package whatever they are, whatever those areas might be this team is configured to have Ramsey and Howard as those shutdown corners so um, I think it is a big difference, a major difference for this team. I, I, I still think that Ramsey is a Pro Bowl caliber top tier cornerback in the league. So to me, uh, this team, what they what happened against the Eagles last week, I know they don't want to make excuses, but I would make them for them. Um, they were down just too many players to really get a true sense of what they are against a top caliber team and – I think that Ramsey and Howard really do change the complexion of this defense.
0: You know, it's an interesting matchup because we saw these two get together earlier in the season in New England. Miami wins, but New England was able to limit, and I say limit casually here because this is a great Miami offense, limit them to 24 points. You got a point spread of nine and a half this time around. Here comes New England off of upset win at Buffalo. And then you got the Tyreek Hill situation. What's the latest on Tyreek and, and his health? And do you see this being a closer, more competitive game given New England's familiarity with Miami? Um, I
3: I, I don't know that I'm um, it's funny with New England. I I used to just you know, you used to give the age old line, especially after Tom Brady, well, they'll always play you tough. Bill Belichick coach team. I don't think I'm there anymore. Like, I, I do think that the Dolphins should have pretty decent ownership in this game. Uh, and when it comes to Tyreek Hill specifically, I've noticed a lot this year where he's had to either take breathers or just breaks with tightness. He takes a ton of IVs during the game. Uh, and as he says, you know, cheetahs are fast, but cheetahs get tired. And I think there is something to that. And with the the, the hip injury that kept him out of Wednesday's practice, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they manage him – accordingly, with some of the tightness that he goes through. But I don't sense that it's the type of injury, as he's noted, that's going to keep him off the field. Um, but but uh, in general, when you do have that speed, I don't care how familiar you are, um, you know, if you can stop some of the timing, that, what this team does, but to do that at home, uh, it feels like that is the tallest task. I think the Dolphins really need to win a big one on the road. Winning against the Patriots at home in the current state of New England right now Uh, as they are i i think that this is if they don't win this that's where you have problems they should uh emphatically get this victory
2: jeff darlington espn nfl reporter joining us it's carlin versus joe on espn radio and the espn app we heard for different reports about a bill belichick extension already being in place prior to the season last week jeff does that matter if things really get out of hand in new england
3: no, I don't think it matters. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of money to, a lot of money to take on for crafts, But no, I think that this is a big enough decision where um, it's it's about more than that. I mean, in theory, I, I, without knowing how long the contract extension is, it's hard to imagine the Belichick reign in New England lasting much longer, whether that's the end of this year or next. Um, that seems like a, a more reasonable question, but I don't think that the contract exel- itself, as we know, plenty of times in other situations, is necessarily going to impact uh, the future of the coach of the team.
2: I'm just imagining the horror on Brian Kenny's face had I attempted to step over him. And yeah, he do you woke go, up? and Oof. then,
3: and then, of course, the question is: Do you go? You know, as we talked, do you go front facing, do you go rear facing. Uh, I think it's just best you avoid that situation altogether. Uh, <laughs>
2: Let's be honest, Jeff. There's not a good option there with me.
3: <laughs> you got it. Yeah, but you, you know, the other thing, the other thing is you got to wake him up because, like, you want to enjoy your flight. And when you got to pee real bad on a flight, you're not enjoying any any aspect of it. It's already tough enough to deal with flying. When you got to do that, you got to go. You know? Once, a, you once wake again, Jeff, you, you have crystallized
2: my thoughts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Always good, my friend. Thank you. See you guys. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. It's Friday, and in the betting world, we already have public enemy number one for the entire weekend. We got it covered next on ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You could just taste a win. It tastes so good. Until one player lets you down. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't don't believe the hype. This is Public Enemy number one. Don't believe the hype. Ah, Joseph,
2: we always got to find somebody to blame and usually... We're right to do it. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, public enemy number one from last night, Todd Bowles. Joseph, let's go back. Bills Bucks in Buffalo, end of the first half. Tampa looked like they were going to rush onto the field to kick the 59-yard field goal before they have Buffalo called a timeout to get their field goal unit on the field instead of using that chance to allow their kicker to get set up and cut the Bills lead to four, Tampa goes for the hard count on a field goal on fourth and three. Snapper never even put his hands on the ball. (laughs) Never even put his hands on the ball. And guess what? Buffalo didn't jump offside. So, delay of game. And then... You had the fact that, by the way, Chase McLaughlin had already made a 57-yard field goal in the other direction earlier in the game. Uh, what are we doing, Todd Bulls?
0: What are we doing? We don't look organized. I'll tell you that much. That's what that game was, and that's what you see a lot of the times on Thursday night. It's a short week for people to get ready, for the players, they're banged up, for the coaches, it's a lack of preparation, lack of sleep on top of it. It's a tight spot all the way around, and then, you know, you see a sloppy performance. Bowles has never necessarily been known as a great game manager. He's more of a locker room guy. He's liked by the players. He, he's a good defensive mind. But, you know, in some of these crucial spots last night, they were just outmanned. Like, you just watch that final drive in the game, which, by the way, if we want to talk about public enemies, I got one for you. Because I went 3-2 in pizza money last night, mm-hmm. and I lost my Buffalo team total over, which should have been a smash. They had 24 points with, like, I don't know, 25 minutes to go?
2: Yeah, but they, with about, I think it was about five minutes left third quarter.
0: So I got 20 minutes. I got a third of the game left. I got 24 points. I need them to go over 26 and a half. They don't score again. Multiple times in the fourth, they get the ball starting at around midfield. And I also had the total in the game to go over 43, 43 and a half. And it lands 42 because we got like two touchdowns total in the second half. Jordan Phillips. How about for the total in this game for anyone who was who was trying to see Buffalo get the ball back at midfield with over three minutes to go to go down to get us over that team total? It's fourth down. What is it? Fourth and eight, 311 to go. Tampa's at the Buffalo 39. Like with that amount of time and Tampa Bay's timeouts and the two-minute warning, you know Buffalo just needs a couple first downs before they kick the field goal. You got a situation where Mayfield is sacked on fourth and eight at the 39-yard line. He's sacked going back to midfield. But Jordan Phillips, while taking him down inexplicably, he has him in a bear hug. He grabs his face mask. 15 yards, automatic first down. And they also on that drive had an illegal contact on fourth down that extended it. That Tampa Bay drive at the, in the fourth quarter, 17 plays, 92 yards, seven minutes and 21 seconds, two huge defensive fourth down penalties that resulted in a touchdown and a two point conversion. Like the fact that the bucks were even in that game at the end was staggering. So yeah, a lot of public enemies last night. A lot of things should have went our way there. Well, I want to hear from
2: Bulls on the decision, what happened at the end of the first half. Hit it.
1: It was too much for a field goal. We're going to take a penalty there, and then we're sitting there going for it. But if we don't get it, they have a field goal in mind. And it was a 17-10 ball game at the time. We figured we'd come out and we still have a ball game instead of give it away in the first half.
2: i tell you what. We talked about prior to the Monday night game last week about the level of ineptitude that we were going to be treated to as special when it comes to coaching. Between Mike McCarthy and Brandon Staley. Oh yeah, last night there were a couple of instances. McDermott and Todd Bowles—they're giving him a run. They're giving him a run. How do you possibly, possibly, Joe? I I don't can't remember the last time that I've seen somebody try to draw somebody offside on a field goal attempt, and then the long snapper doesn't even try to sell it. Doesn't You're even saying, put his hands on the football. He didn't even have
0: his hands on the ball.
2: Didn't even have his hands on the ball. How do you do that? Honestly, see, this is when you were getting on me earlier about McDermott and about bad coaching. Like, it, McDermott's not that bad, but there are moments that just drive
0: you insane. Oh, I got some. Oh, I got him. I got him. We talked about this earlier this week. Because people continue to call for the banning of the tush push, AKA the brotherly shove. I'm so tired of hearing about that. And so are you. I know that. So tired of hearing. We got to ban this play. We got to ban this play in which this team within the rules has figured out how to be really successful. Got to ban it. Can't have something like that. No, here's what we can't have third and goal from the one yard line, shotgun. Play doesn't work. Fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Shotgun. Play doesn't work. What are you doing? This is the most basic of math. And by the way, I'm not giving you a hypothetical. This happened last night in the Bills-Bucks game. The Bills are third and one on the one-yard line. They have Josh Allen. You just sneak the damn football. That's it. That's all you do. You have two plays to sneak it with a big physical quarterback. They go shotgun. Now, again, I feel like I have to keep bringing this up this week When you are doing that, you are saying, okay, here's our situation. We have the ball right in location X. We need to go about mm, a foot. We need to go about a foot. We need to go 12 inches forward. So what we're going to do in order to obtain that goal is take that ball and move it backwards five yards. Then we're going to try to go forward six yards to get that play. (laughs) That's what they're saying. why why would you actively take the ball which is starting one foot from where you need to be and voluntarily choose to, to move it back five yards before you you start your play why that's what the shotgun is it's yeah. just so stupid. From a logical standpoint, line up and push yourself forward. You don't need to do the tush-push. Just sneak it twice or run off tackle or go under center and make it look like you're going to sneak it and then go play action bootleg, something. Starting in shotgun and then even considering running the ball. It's so dumb to get, like, why don't you just go out and commit a false start? How about that? If you want to start five yards back, just go commit a false start and the refs will do it for you. (laughs) I can't get over this. We see so many teams like, all right, right, fourth and inches, game on the line. Here comes Ohio State in shotgun for some reason. Like, why are you in shotgun when you need one inch? This is football. It's not tennis. Go out there, be physical, get the inch.
2: Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, speaking of being banned, Joe, has James Harden been banned? That's next. <laughs> ESPN
1: radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio. Carlin vs. Joe, pizza money alert.
0: Pizza pizza. Buckle up. Here come three NFL picks very quickly. Number one, the Jaguars minus two and a half over the Steelers. This will eventually get to three in my opinion. Jacksonville's been cooking. Ten days off since the Thursday night game. Four straight wins by an average of about 11 points per game. Meanwhile, the Steelers are four and two but they have a minus 24 point differential. They are overvalued. Give me the Jags minus two and a half. Number two Cincinnati plus four over the Niners. Love the spot for the Bengals. Two weeks to get ready for this game as they're off the bye. Meanwhile, the Niners off back-to-back road game Monday night game against Minnesota. A lot of guys banged up. I think this one's tight. I wouldn't be surprised by the upset. Number three, Baltimore minus nine over Arizona. A lot of people think this could be a letdown spot for the Ravens. Not me. They've already had two letdowns this season. The Colts game and the Steelers game. At some point, you got to put those behind you. And we had Ronnie Stanley, their offensive tackle, on earlier this week. He said the focus has been on more consistency. Since the Cardinals beat the Cowboys, they've lost four straight games, all by double digits. So your quick hitter, three pizza monies that we just dropped, Jaguars minus 2.5 over Pittsburgh, Cincinnati plus 4 over San Francisco, Baltimore minus 9 over Arizona. James Harden came back to the Sixers after being away for what the team called a personal matter.
3: There was a report that uh, he showed up for practice and that we determined that he should stay back for conditioning. This dude is
1: a baby. This is his third year in a row he's trying to force his way out of a situation. He's making $36 million and he thinks they're going to give him like a long-term extension. That's not going to happen.
2: I always love when Charles weighs in on these because you know that there is a little tinge of, I can't believe these guys are making $36 million a year, <laughs> and then I was stuck back making what, five when he was playing. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, but he also is always speaking the truth, especially when it comes to James Harden. And this is a fascinating situation to me, and I'm surprised that I would even say the word fascinating, Joe, because when it comes to James Harden, like there's nothing that he hasn't done that isn't already old hat when it comes to trying to get your way out of a situation. So here's the deal. Because the Sixers reportedly uh, held him back from actually getting on the plane to join them to go to Milwaukee— the NBA now is looking into it. This is according to Woj, based on the new player participation policy. Uh, Mike Bass, the league spokesman, says, we're looking into the facts around James Harden's availability tonight, meaning the opener, playing in a national, t- uh, determine whether an approved reason exists for his lack of participation. Philadelphia playing in a national TV against uh, game against Philly the other night. So here uh, are the rules from Bobby Marks the new participation policy rules okay okay for for a national tv game a star player is excused for injury personal reasons and rare and unusual circumstances is being denied entry onto the plane rare and unusual circumstances
0: (laughs) it would feel like it would it not Yeah, it would feel like it's it would feel like it fits that criteria, which would mean he's excused. But then wouldn't the onus ship back to Philadelphia with the organization having to answer to the NBA? Because if I'm the NBA, I'm saying, look, we put this in place to get star players to play more games, especially the national spotlight games. And you somehow went out of your way to prevent him from doing that. So I don't think Harden's in any sort of trouble whatsoever here. But you got to figure the league's going to be taking a good long look at Philadelphia. Are they not? I would think so. I don't think this has anything to do with Harden.
2: I think this has to do with the Sixers. Yeah. I think they're looking into what the Sixers opted to do now. Now, I can make the argument here. Harden stayed away for 10 days. The Sixers don't want him to play in the opener, and they want to make sure he's game-ready to play, and it's not fat-suit city? No, I, I get that. I understand wanting to leave him back, let him get uh, fully physically ready at the – the Sixers complex, and then play them. I get where they're coming from on on that. Um, it is odd to not let them on the plane. But you don't want this to be a distraction. But here's the problem. Sixers have nobody to blame but themselves for making this a distraction. I mean, you brought James Harden in. How did you think it was going to end? Did you think it was going to end well, even though... It was Daryl Morey who's there, who's got the good
3: relationship with him? No. No. This is what James Harden does. But there's got to be a difference between like rare and unusual and rare and unusual for James Harden. Like, yes, not being allowed on the team plane, rare and unusual. Doing this before the
0: season starts when you're trying to get traded is not rare and unusual for James Harden. There's got to be a difference in this vague rule. Would have made a good lawyer, Wilner. You would have yeah. made a real good lawyer because that's that's something that absolutely – you can at least bring that up. I mean, this is kind of standard operating procedure for Harden, is it not? Like, he's having an issue with his team. He had an issue with the Nets at the end. He had an issue with the Rockets at the end. He's having an issue with the Sixers. This might just be standard operating procedure. This isn't rare and unusual. This is SOP.
2: So now we need to carve out in the league rules the James Harden part of this. Yeah. Like, is it rare and unusual?
0: Or rare and unusual for James Harden. Right. It's like the, the one-player exception rule there, the James Harden rule. Yeah. I mean. Well, he has set the bar differently. There's no getting around that. I have no idea who this looks worse for. Because on one hand I, I you know it looks awful for the Sixers like again yeah. last night you're going up against Milwaukee it's a marquee game they're debuting Dame Lillard you're coming out one of your stars isn't there because it's yet another contract dispute slash distraction slash problem that you're so used to at this point. It's Markel Fultz. It's Ben Simmons. It's Harden. Like this team cannot get out of its own way. I know I sound like a broken record, but good God, man. It's the start of the season. Why do you add the extra obstacles every year to trying to chase a championship? Like, do you see the Kansas City Chiefs doing this? Do you see Nick Saban doing this? Like, my God, get a clue. So on one hand, it looks awful for Philly, but that's no surprise. On the other hand, how is it that we're five minutes into the season and we're already in a situation where we're consistently talking about whether or not players are playing or should be playing or in violation of a new rule? Like, we're focusing on Harden, but we didn't get Devin Booker or Bradley Beal last night in the Phoenix game. Like, right away, there's an issue where two stars are out in that game. I was really excited for that game. And then as soon as Booker's ruled out and you know Beal's going to be out, you're thinking to yourself, what is the point of some of this? What is the point? You put all these rules in place. This is, such, this is dominating topic of conversation with the NBA for years now. And I don't know if it's that, well, there's no such thing as bad press, because if that's true, yeah, the NBA gets a ton of talk. They get a ton of airtime because of this load management player playing thing. But on the other hand, like at some point, you got to take a look at this and ask yourself, why do we have to fight tooth and nail to get people to play the sport, to do their job? Like, why is this so challenging all the time every year?
2: I am all for player empowerment. I I really am. I, I think when we look at the NFL, I'm always a player's guy because they don't have guaranteed contracts. And I think players are the product and always should have a lot more say in what goes on but when you're voluntarily not playing you should, you're you not doing your job you don't get paid for that and so for me when Harden just walks away there's too much worry around Harden and whether it's his agent and how other star players are going to see that and they're not going to want to come and play there it all ties together I do want to hear from Nick nurse for a second on the reports of Harden being denied uh getting on that
0: plane there report today that James harden tried to get on the plane yesterday and was turned away did that happen
3: um there was a report that uh, he showed up for practice and that we uh, determined that he should stay back for conditioning
2: so he didn't even address the plane part of it there there was the report about the plane but he's letting that go altogether. Listen, Joe, th- this looks a lot worse for the Sixers. It, it, it With James Harden, he doesn't care how it looks. He's never cared how it looks. No. That's been clear from day one. The Sixers do care how it looks. Nobody should know James Harden better than Daryl Morey. That's what makes this even more maddening for me. And so now it's going to drag out, and this is not going to be like it did last year with Ben Simmons, where he was relatively quiet. Harden's going to make this worse, and this, no matter where he is, whether he's with the team or not.
0: Hard to disagree. And again, when Philadelphia flames out, if they're lucky enough to get to the playoffs this year, they have no one to blame but themselves, because once again, they have made this a lot harder than it needs to be. While everyone else is playing checkers, they've decided they're playing chess and they don't actually know how to play chess, which
2: and is And actually, problem. as it turns out, they're just playing pachinko in the act.
1: <laughs> this is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.